You're listening to the Farbrengen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Avzan, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Shul here on Salt to Soul. Thank you, Craig. And we're live. As always, you can WhatsApp at 0618951019 or SMS us at the number 34519. Now, today on the Jewish calendar seems to be not much of a day. It's the 7th of Cheshvan, which seems to be a very average day. A week into the second month of the year, Tishrei was the month of power, Cheshvan's the month of lowdown. But actually, today is quite a unique day in the Jewish calendar and has tremendous lessons. It offers tremendous insight into our lives. And I want to explore that with you together in just a few moments after the break. I want to start today's show by a Small little song. It's called Malchutcha. I'm sure you've heard it many times. This is the original Malchutcha from the Diaspora Yeshiva Band, a beautiful band that used to play in the 70s and 80s in Jerusalem. Here is 101.9 Chai FM, Malchutcha. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Rabbi Levi Avzan. Let's delve into it. Let's get into the show. As you could tell, that music was straight out of the 70s. And as mentioned before the break, it's the Diaspora Yeshiva Band. There was a band that came together, many people with different influences of music who were Balchuvas. They returned to Judaism in the, the early Balchuva movement of the 70s. And they put together a band called the Diaspora Yeshiva Band. And they were quite popular in their day. Um, I, they haven't sunk together for quite a while. I actually saw a recent YouTube clip that this Rosh Hashanah. They traveled to Uman together, and they performed a concert for the first time in many years, singing some of their old hits. And this is like one of those songs that many shuls sing on Simchas Torah evening, and rarely do we actually know where the song comes from. This is where the song comes from. Okay. So what's today? Preparing for the show, often what I try to do is try to kind of connect in myself to to what's going on in the, in the world and what's going on in the Jewish calendar at this time. And my mind was going in different places when I was thinking about what to talk about the show, and then it just hit me that today is the 7th of Cheshvan, Zion Cheshvan, which might seem like a very insignificant day in the Jewish calendar, but it's actually quite a substantial day, specifically if you live in the land of Israel. So let's give you some context. Reverse. Take your mind back 2,000 years ago to the times of the Temple, between 3,000 and 2,000 years ago, for a period of 900 years, we had a temple, two temples. There was a 70-year interruption between the two, but for 900 years straight, we had a temple. And one of the fundamental responsibilities of Jews in the temple era was to travel to the temple three times a year. Shalosh pamim bashana, three times a year. Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot. Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot was the three times that people had an obligation to go. And for many people who lived in the Jerusalem area, in the what was then more the south of Israel, it was a relatively small experience. It took a few days. They traveled on donkey. They traveled on the horse, whatever, whichever mode of transport they had. And many of them traveled by foot and got to the temple, spent some time in Jerusalem, brought the sacrifices at the temple, and then returned home. 
But there were many people who lived quite a distance, specifically people who lived quite up north at the border between Israel and Syria, Israel and Lebanon, way up there. And uh, in ancient times, that journey was quite a journey. So, why is that relevant? In the Northern Hemisphere, now is autumn and the beginning of the rainy season. And rain, specifically if you live in the land of Israel, but the truth is in South Africa and many areas of the world, is indispensable. We need it. And unfortunately, when people don't have rain, life becomes very, very difficult. And therefore, from the beginning of autumn, it would have made sense to begin asking Hashem for rain, not just mentioning rain, as we say every morning or an afternoon and evening, Mashiv Haruach Morid HaGeshem, we say, we kind of compliment Hashem for being the person, who, the being who brings rain, but rather requesting rain. It would have made sense to start requesting rain at the same time that we start mentioning rain. But no, sages instituted that one does not start requesting rain till the last person who was traveling back from the temple comes home. Listen to that. Till the last person traveling the temple comes home, specifically in Israel. And they estimated that the journey, the maximum journey it could take somebody to reach the the northern border of Israel was two weeks. So exactly two weeks after the conclusion of the Chag, the Chag, the Sukkot, finishes in Israel on the 23rd of Tishrei. Exactly two weeks later is the 7th of Cheshvan. Only then do we begin to request for rain. Now, in the everywhere out of Israel, in the diaspora, for various reasons, we don't start requesting rain at the 7th of Cheshvan. We start requesting rain at the beginning of the winter season, and we follow the solar calendar, and usually the 4th or 5th of December is when we start requesting rain. So we're not going to be requesting rain for the next little while, seven weeks. Only in the early December will we start requesting rain. But it is fascinating that the sages instituted that one should not request for rain in Israel until the final person reaches their destination at the edge of Israel. And the, the reason they instituted that was because traveling in the rain is quite a nuisance. It's a pain. It's difficult. And to make the person's life a bit easier, the entire Jewish Israel, which is pretty much the entire Jewish population in the First Temple era, held back. So let, let, let's get some context over here, because this really is a mind-blowing idea. There is a few people who chose by their own volition to live in the north of Israel, far, far, far from Jerusalem, which by default means that they weren't exactly the ones that were running over to Jerusalem any other any time because it was quite a journey. So those were the people that didn't exactly want to be in the center of the community. They, they chose by their own volition, no judgment, to move far. And three times a year, they have no choice but to come to the temple. However, we cannot... We, as an entire Jewish community, cannot begin requesting for rain until this individual reaches home two weeks later. So millions of Jews have to hold up on their livelihood, 
have to hold up on the most important gift of sustenance, and that is rain. Without rain, there's no life. Rain is the greatest blessing. Adam, already at the beginning of creation, realized how important it was to request and pray for rain. Rain is fundamental to the human condition, to not only human condition, to all forms of life. What happens in the, in, you know, in the bush when there's no rain for a long time? Unfortunately, I remember a few years ago how many animals were dying and how it just totally destroyed the landscape. Rain is fundamental. And yet, because a few individuals chose to live two weeks journey away from the cent, from the center, from the temple, from Jerusalem, the entire Jewish world would wait until those individuals reached home. That's a mind-blowing idea. That really is. It brings to fore that statement that says, Kal Yisrael Arevim Zelazel, we are all interconnected and responsible for one another. And therefore, one's, one person's inconvenience supersedes everyone else's need for livelihood. In other words, everyone must bend their immediate need for one individual, for a few individuals. Now think about it. Most people need a drain. They need it for livelihood. The other individual who's traveling, worse comes to worse, the rain is just a nuisance. It's not, it's not affecting their livelihood. And yet, how much sensitivity there is for the pain and inconvenience of one individual. And that's really what I want to explore today on this show. And that is how often we sacrifice the individual for the sake of the bigger good. But Judaism teaches us a counterintuitive idea that sometimes you sacrifice the needs of the many for the need of one individual, for the convenience of one individual. Because if you cannot appreciate the, the uniqueness and the blessing and the importance of one, then the truth is you cannot appreciate the importance of many. And there's a lesson here. Thousands of years after the destruction of the temple in Israel, they still began requesting rain today. And the lesson is not only for people living in Israel, but all over the world, that there are times where we have to think beyond ourselves and think about the one loner the one person who's a bit lost, the one person who lives far away, and inconvenience ourselves for their sake. Stretch ourselves for their sake. Before we go to break, I just want to read. It says, Hi, Rabbi, would you be able to dedicate today's learning in the memory of Yitzchak ben Herschel? Absolutely. This learning is dedicated to the late memory of Yitzchak ben Herschel. I want to continue this conversation. I would love to hear your thoughts here on 101.9 Chai FM, 0618951019 and SMS34519. But it's time for music. And I've always found that the more music you inject at the beginning of the show, at least for me personally, it kind of gives me the inspiration to keep going. And this is a beautiful song that I chose. It's called Ki Ere. When I See, it's from Shalshelis, a, a men's group. They've produced some of the most beautiful music in recent years. Ki era shamayim, ki era shamecha, when I see your heavens. 
the creation of your fingers. We're talking to God and we're in wonder of the beautiful creation of this world here on 101.9 Chai FM. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzad on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM. This is Rabbi Levi Avzad, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Shul, and we are here at the Farbringen Show every Tuesday from 1 to 2 in the afternoon. Our WhatsApp number is 061-895-1019, and the SMS number is 34519. So, recap from before the break. Today is the 7th of Cheshvan. In ancient Israel, this was the day that the f- person who had to travel the furthest in return from their pilgrimage to the temple arrived home, and it was only then, once this last individual arrived home, that the entire community in Israel started requesting rain, and the reason was they didn't request until then was that they didn't want to inconvenience this single or few travelers before they came home. And the tremendous focus on the individual. In this week's parsha, and pretty much for the rest of uh, the book of Genesis, the rest of the book of Reshit, we're going to focus on the patriarchs, the stories of the patriarchs and matriarchs, Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah. And we're going to read stories. We're going to read episodes in their life that the Torah, that God so chose to insert into the, the five books of Moses, into the most important book ever written. And over and over and over, you'll see a common thread that the stories are to- that are told are almost never, if never, global stories, stories of world transformation, but rather one-on-one, one-on-two, individual stories. Avram and how he deals with the stories with his nephew and with his wife and with the- this king and that king and that war and that battle and... That negotiation, that business negotiation, the jealousy between brothers, um, trickery, etc. The whole story of Genesis, the whole story of Rishit is stories of individuals. Now, it, it obviously came to be that these were the fathers not only of Judaism but of all major religions. These were the instigators of monotheism and the people who really transformed the world for the better. But that was over hundreds of years, thousands of years. But it all began with individuals. It all began with individuals. Avraham sitting together with his wife Sarah in the middle of the desert, and they open a hotel. And all they do pretty much all day is give people free food and have conversations with them about God. And usually when people aren't hungry, they're much more open to listen. And therefore they figured out the first trick of how to teach people religion, and that is keep their stomachs full. And that is why ever since then, every shul has a bracha that can I nahar. Um, the more food that's served, the bigger crowd you get. Now we like to be cynical about it, but that's the truth. You want to feed people souls, you got to first feed their stomachs. 
no two ways about it. The founders of our faith knew that from the beginning. They opened the first shul bracha. They didn't have a shul going, but they definitely had a bracha, which again counters, you know, the people that say, ah, only the people who come in the morning deserve to sit at the bracha. Not necessarily. Abraham gave a bracha without shul. All he asked them at the end was, please acknowledge God's existence, say thank you. Say a bracha. Appreciate where the the bounty comes from. That is what this individual spent the majority of his and her life hosting people and giving them food. That's what it was. Having conversations with people one-on-one. Avram did not have radio. He did not have um, broadcast messages on his WhatsApp. He did not have pretty much any form of communication. God knows if there was any form of mail at the time 4,000 years ago. But what he did have was love of individuals, love of people. So much so that next week's parsha we read the incredible story that Abraham was spending time with God when God came to visit him three days after his circumcision. And while he's chatting with the divine, if you could wrap your head up around that, three pagan nomads are walking down the street. Three Arabs are walking down the, the dusty road. They happen to be angels, but they were dressed like the local uh, citizens. And Avram runs away from his meeting with God to greet these people. Now, he then tells them to wash their feet before they come in because he suspected that they were pagans who served, let's listen to this, they served the sand on their feet as their God. Now, even in paganism, that's a whole new level. (laughs) You're like, okay, you're serving an idol, although it's a good meshuggah, but at least you could get your head around it. You're serving the what? The dust on your feet. So that's what Abram suspected these people. And there he is talking with the creator of heaven and earth himself. God. HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And yet, he chooses to make an intermission with the divine to go greet three primitive pagans. That is an incredible story, which it's it's actually mind-boggling if you think about it. What? You're talking to God. I mean, seriously, priorities. You're talking to God. Vayera Hashem love. Next week's parasha. God revealed himself to Avram. Besides the fact that Avram was in tremendous pain, and 99, he circumcised himself. This is the third day after the circumcision, which according to tradition is the harshest day. All the above. But you're talking to God. That should be a good enough reason to allow those three people to walk by and make believe as if they don't exist. Or you know what? Allow them to walk into the tent themselves and then you can... What are you running away? What are you running into the boiling heat? We're told that that day was the hottest day. God took the sun and shined in the most incredible um intensity. The, 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 the Talmud says that God took the sun out of its so-called casing and allowed it to shine the most incredible intensity because he didn't want Avram to go out of his tent. I'm not sure how much colder it was in the tent. I mean, maybe a little shade, but there wasn't exactly aircon that time. But be it as it may, 
What? You're talking to God. Seriously, you're talking to God. Vastasta, what are you doing? Why are you getting up and going to a bunch of people who deny God's existence? Who are the most primitive people? Could you imagine Abraham, the first monotheist, running away from God to go greet people who he doesn't want them to walk in before they wash their legs because he suspects that they serve the dust of their feet as their God? And God wasn't angry. On the contrary, God brings it as a compliment. And from there we learn the incredible mitzvah of Achnas Sarchim, inviting guests, which is a topic for another time. So what do you think? You think Abraham and Sarah became world transformers because they gave massive speeches and they were broadcast on primetime television and they had 50 billion, uh, 50 million YouTube hits, you know, and if they, if they composed a few songs, maybe they even got a few billion hits. No, not at all. Not at all. I wonder, obviously it's hard to, you know, put our minds into the, into the minds of these great people, but I wonder if Avram and Sarah really appreciated the transformation that they were making into the world for the, for the, for the rest of history. Every time they served another bowl of hummus, I don't know, what, the, what were they serving them 3,000 years ago? God knows, 4,000 years ago, what was the menu? But every time they were serving a little piece of bread, some meat, did they appreciate that this is world transforming? Because that's really the idea. The idea is that it's through serving individuals that we truly make the impact and the transformation that we need. So many of us are running around trying to change the world. How often do you sit there listening to an adult talking to a child? What do you want to be when you're older? Are you going to change the world? Are you going to transform the world as if everyone was born to be, you know, world transformers? I think maybe we try to fix the world instead of fixing ourselves and the individuals around us. So many people are trying to come up with the next genius idea that will transform the world. When am I going to open a new Facebook? How many people are sitting there in Silicon Valley trying to imagine the next app that's going to transform the world, whether to the good or not to the good is a different conversation. People sitting in in L.A. waiting for them to get the big breaks. They could be on the screen and be watched by millions of people, etc., etc. Each, so many people trying to transform the world. But what did the Baal Shem Tov say? The Baal Shem Tov said the following statement. That a soul can be sent, soul as an S-O-U-L, a soul can be sent from above into this world. For 70, 80 years, with the single intention that it will do one favor for another human being. In other words, the entire lifetime of individual, of, of an individual can be justified for one act of kindness they do for one individual. That's how incredible individual kindness is. Helping one family out of poverty. One family. Listen, I'm not sure, you know, talking to you, I'm not sure what your financial situation is, etc. But one thing I know is there's someone that has less than you. Can you send, can you find out the banking details of one individual and anonymously send them whatever money you can once a month or once a week? 
It could be a hundred rand or ten thousand rand or a hundred thousand rand, depending on what your ability is and what the, the need is. But can we stop trying to change so much and by, by then changing nothing and rather focusing on one? Look at that family, look at that, you know, older single individual and say, I will get that person out of poverty. I will help that person out of loneliness. I will help that person out of feeling like the whole world's against them. Whatever challenge that person is, I will help that person's medical issue. Thank God for the incredible organizations we have in this town. Thank God, the most incredible organizations, world class. But to rely merely on organizations was never the plan. And it's not the correct thing to do. The organizations have enough work to do. But each individual, other than donating to the organizations, has to take personal responsibility. Now, yes, we're not here to solve everything. There are big organizations that tackle big quantities. But one, one person, one person in your community, can you help them? And if you don't know of any one individual, reach out to the rabbi, reach out to one of the gaboyim. I promise you, they'll tell you a list of names of people that literally cannot put bread on their table. Can you not wire 1,000 rand to their account? Can you not walk over to one of the grocery stores, one of the stores in this town, and just put some money on their account, open an account for them, and let the store just call them and say, hey, Jack, someone just put 2,000 rand in your account. Can we not stretch ourselves to obliterate poverty from our community? Not by trying to transform it in big numbers, but one person tackling one person and adopting each per, each one of us adopting a family or an individual and helping them out of whatever poverty, financial, spiritual, emotional poverty they have and bring them back on their two feet. Can you imagine how we would change our community and by definition change the world just by changing one individual at a time instead of sitting back and moping about global problems? This is 101.9 Chai FM. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 High FM. So you might know the story. This is 101.9 High FM, the Farbringen show every Tuesday from 1 to 2 in the afternoon live. Our WhatsApp number is 061-895-1019. SMS is 34519. So you might know the story. It's a famous story. Whether it happened or not, the message is absolutely true about the kid who's standing at the beach and he's just throwing seashells back into the river back into the ocean you've heard the story craig throwing and a person walks over to him and says what are you doing he says what do you mean they belong in the ocean and the individual laughs at him and says kiddo look how many there are on the beach do you really think you're making a difference And the kid takes one, picks it up and throws it and tells this old individual, he says, I made a difference for this one. I made a difference for this one. All too often we see see big problems. Big problems. And we try to solve big problems. 
But big problems are a composite of a lot of small problems. And if instead of everyone trying to solve the biggies, if we all focused on a small little dimension of the small problems, collectively, we could solve the big problem. There is so much need out there. There are so many people who need so many things. Just look how many organizations we have in the town catering for so many needs. And I'm sure there's more that that we could cater for in theory. There's so the human being is so complex. It says it takes a village to raise a child, it takes a village to maintain an adult as well. Not only to raise a child. Each and every one of us is so interdependent with so many different people and organizations and needs and the, the, the spectrum of the human experience is incredible. And God made us, each and every one of us, so different with a different skill set and different needs. Each and every one of us lacks something. By definition, you come into this world with certain assets and certain lacks. You have certain things that you can give to others and there's certain things that you need from others. It might be an education. It might be that you don't know how to screw a light bulb in. It might be you need a doctor. Whatever it is, none of us is everything. Each and every one of us is interdependent on other people and is only from the full spectrum of human endeavor that we can cater for at least most of our needs. God created the world that individuals need to help individuals. That is the fabric of humanity. It's not a malfunction. It's the vision. It's the plan that we all help one another. God didn't make that person poor to stay poor. God made that person poor so that I can help that person out of poverty. The famous debates in the Talmud, if God wanted that person wealthy, they would make the person wealthy. No, God wants me to share my wealth with that person. My wealth isn't mine. God gave me a little extra beyond my needs so that I could give that little extra to another individual and uplift them. There is so much kindness needed in the world. There's so much kindness that already happens in this world. And there's so many of us who are trying to solve the big problems. Oh my gosh, what's going on with the RAND? As if it's in your control. And what's going on with corruption? And what's going on with this? And what's going on? Did, did Turkey kill that Saudi Arabian? And the guns, I mean, did Saudi Arabia kill that person in, in, in the embassy, etc.? Big problems. Some of them relevant, some of them irrelevant, but big problems. But there's a person sitting next to you at bowling or at shul that is desperate for something that you can give. That is what the world needs. The world doesn't need us all to sit there. Oh my gosh, did you hear what Trump t- tweeted this morning? Trump will tweet no matter what we say. And the more we say, the more he'll tweet because he loves his attention. Whether you like him or not, that's what he does. So instead of sitting cucking about things that are absolutely irrelevant, are global things that have pretty much n- n- very little 
impact from our schmoozing around the Friday night table. Instead, let's tackle problems that are in our hands to solve. If you have wisdom on how to be happily married, reach out to that couple that just cannot figure it out. The two of them that Nebuch cannot figure out how to be married. They're good people. Maybe one of them or both of them lack emotional maturity. Maybe one of them or both of them are just dealing with so much stuff in the past that it just surfaces in the context of this intimate relationship, whatever. Reach out. Yes, there's organizations that try to tackle marriages and this and that, but organizations have to do what they have to do, and individuals have to do what they have to do. Organizations can never take away the mandate of the individual. They work in tandem with the individual. The individual does their part, the organization does their part, and collectively, as a united front, we hopefully solve the problem. When you see lack out there, what does that make you feel? When you see lack out there, does it make you just have a new piece of gossip? Huh? Didn't you hear what they're struggling with? Hey, Vesemir, she, I didn't know that person had that illness and that that person had that um, financial problem. And hey, the, the, did you hear they're getting divorced? And you hear the, the kid is totally misbehaving and the, he's been kicked out of the eighth school in two years. Wonderful. A good piece of lush and horror, a good piece of gossip. What can you do about it? And if you can't do anything about it, then it's none of your business. That was pretty much the principle of Torah, that if you hear a piece of, a piece of information, if you can do something about it, then get involved. If you can't, then block it out. It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. It's not for your, it's not for my knowledge. It's not for my spectrum of influence. Each and every one of us has to focus on single things that we can do to make people's lives better. Like, you know, this good Craig over here, every time I walk into the, the radio, he smiles at me, makes my day. But one day, if Craig, if you ever get grouchy on me, then the whole show is going to go, you know. like We have to appreciate individuals. We have to appreciate that one smile, that one nice thing. How often do we find ourselves, I'm, I'm guilty as anyone else, you're rushing, and you're walking through a space and somebody comes and greets you and your headspace is elsewhere. And at best, the person says, okay, you're busy. At worst, the person's offended because you didn't acknowledge them. But for that one person, for that one transaction, for that one moment, you had the moment to change, to make an impact, to change the world. Are we looking for those moments or are we looking for these incredible ideas and on the road to change the world? We hurt so many individuals. Or do we heal so many people around us? And through that, we truly transform the world. This is 101.9 Chai FM. You're listening to the Farbrengen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 Chai FM. So here we are, wrapping up the show. I hope that something that was said resonated. There is so many people that need so little things in order to make them happy. But often we think about big things. But think about it. What do you need to become happy today? A genuine smile. A genuine compliment. A small little gift. A thoughtful note. Those small, small little things that make such a 
impact and truly transform the world for good. That's really what each and every one of us needs. What we all want is a small thing. I promise you that a good compliment and a kind word makes you happier than a brand new car. You think the brand new car will make you happier. But how did Mark Twain say it? I could live with a good compliment for six months. He was right. Maybe many of us have never heard a good compliment, but it's true. that When you hear something that's a real acknowledgement of who we are, it's world transforming. It's world transforming, and we could truly transform our lives that way. Yes, we could continue with our worldwide projects. And each and every one of us, please God, will make a world transformation. But let's remember that God put us in here for the small stuff, for building a good marriage, which is made out of a gazillion details. No marriage is built from tra- changing the world. On the contrary, usually changing the world gets in the way of the marriage. No child was raised by world transformation, but rather by small details, care, quality, and quantity time, passion, connection, individual attention. No person was healed through a global movement, but rather through personal care. Each and every one of us, ultimately, we were put into this world for the small stuff. Please, God, we get to do some big stuff as well. But the reason we were put into this world is for small stuff for the day-by-day little impact and transformation that we make. So I just want to finish off with a small little thank you. If you listen to the show, if you participate, thank you for listening. I want to wish each and every one of us a wonderful afternoon. That, please God, we should have small episodes in our life this afternoon that bring us joy. And that we should bring joy to those around us. And that we should truly transform the world. And that will happen when we realize that the world is an individual. And each individual is the world. Have a great afternoon. Please God be back here next week on 101.9 High FM.